No. So this was my weekend, by the way. This is why I'm so happy. I bought goalie equipment from Canadian Tire Street Hockey Gear. The one question I asked, were you playing with a rubber puck at least? No, of course not. You had street hockey pads on and no protection other than I wasn't even that. wearing a can. How about that? And I went, stacked my pads. I'm like, whoa, I got nothing on down here. I never thought that I would be leaving my pins. <laughs> Seriously. Wow. And no mask. Talk about putting them on the table. This is the Rod Peterson Show. That was a great day. That was a great day playing outdoor hockey. Oh, yeah. I'm not in a rush to do it again this winter, <laughs> but uh, welcome everybody to the RP Show. It is episode number 601 of Canada's daytime sports talk show. We welcome in uh, all of Canada, but also the Canadian sports fans around the world. Um, as I sit here, I know that we did not get to all the text messages on the program yesterday. There was a lot. And I actually, I, I remembered I wanted to open today's show with reading a couple of texts from yesterday's show. Yeah. Okay? That you haven't even heard. Nope, Moose. Uh, from the 531. Hi, I'm a new fan. Really enjoy your show. For Halloween, could both of you dress in your favorite costumes? Thanks. You're the best. Signed, Emil. That's the name, Emil. You don't hear the name Emil very often anymore. <laughs> no, but Emil is the Ukrainian, I think Ukraine. I don't know, small town, you know, small town Saskatchewan name. I know, I know. an Emil. Um, I know an Emil from back Wherever home. Wherever the 531 is, but. That's not back home. The only Emil that I know is Emil the Cat Francis from North Battleford, Saskatchewan, the former New York Rangers uh, goaltender, I believe, and general manager. So he's got his costume all lined up for tomorrow, right? That's right. And I guess I've got <clears throat> 24 hours to get mine. And I'm not going to be that wet blanket saying, I'm dressed as a sportscaster. <laughs> You're I'll not? find you're not. I'll find some. OK, is that Halloween store open? You know, the store that only opens for a month of out course. of the year. Yeah. Where is it? Um, there's a few all over. Spirit okay. Halloween. Yeah. Uh, and from Cam in Saskatoon regarding yesterday's 600th show, he writes that and says, congratulations on 600 shows to you, Rod Dupes and crew. For my part, I come for the golden corral of sports talk and the meandering stories to be enlightened and entertained. So there are a few from uh, our viewers celebrating yesterday's 600 show. Coming up today, it's going to be awesome. We've got Stanley Cup champion Tim Hunter I think he played a thousand games in the NHL and coached a thousand games in the NHL. It's something like that. We'll get a sort. We'll get it sorted with Tim Hunter coming up, and uh, Brendan Parker of Calgary Flames TV, CalgaryFlames.com. Looking forward to that. Known this guy a long time, as have you. Mm -hmm. And uh, just a super guy. I'm looking forward to that chat. I will get to the viewer comments in a moment. But as you know, this is the warm up for Ecold Electric. It's about Moose and I here. We get to the viewer comments later on. So you're welcome to uh, chime in with yours. I'm just not going to acknowledge them at the time being. Can you hit the quick six show topics uh, horn, please? <laughs> Director Jordan. Uh, number one, of course, is the talk of hockey today. Kyle Beach has stepped forward as John Doe won in the Chicago Blackhawks sexual assault investigation. Beach appeared on TSN Sports Center Wednesday night to identify himself as the first accuser of former Blackhawks video coach Brad Aldrich. He'd been named John Doe 1 in court documents related to the sexual assault in 2010. Beach from North Vancouver, B.C. was selected 11th overall in the 2008 draft by Chicago. My commentary this morning on radio here has got people uh, quite hot and bothered. And I just related how this hits close to home because Kyle Beach played for the Lethbridge Hurricanes, Spokane Chiefs, Everett Silvertips. I called his games. 
um, to see him on the screen breaking down with uh, with what he's been through was very tough. He never played in the NHL, but was a black ace for Chicago in 2010. And a lot of people don't even know what that is. Those are the extra guys that skate with the team. They're the what would you call them? The extra guys. They're the reserves. They like yeah. your team has. Yeah. The, raw, the full roster, which is the guys that are playing every night and the guys in the press box that are the couple of scratches that can be called in, and then the black aces. Right. It's like the minor league affiliate to your Stanley yeah. Cup team that kind of well, they don't practice with the team. They don't travel with the team for the most part. They're kind of on their own, but they're there as an emergency. Right. Every team has them, and uh, he was one of them with the Chicago Blackhawks in 2010. Practice with the team on a regular basis in case the team needed a replacement player, as you say. So I don't know if he got a ring or not. So this story has obviously been evolving. I've been listening to everybody's opinion. I've given my own. And as we sit here today, I ask if we can have a mature discussion, not get into name calling. You've been watching this show long enough, and I would think a lot of you people know me well enough to know that I don't get into name calling. I don't lose my cool on these things. Uh, you, you, you and I had a long meeting before the show here talking about how gut-wrenching it was for Kyle Beach to, uh, in that interview, how, how tough it was to watch. Yeah. And uh, I, I, unfortunately or fortunately, I'm not sure, i become so desensitized to that because I spent three hours dealing with this stuff in another situation yesterday. It's terrible, uh, just as a certified recovery coach that I am. So my take, and it's... Rare here is that Joel Quenville and Kevin Dayoff. I don't need to say who they are, right? You all know now. I would hope you're following along with this. I don't think they should be suspended while the NHL investigation is ongoing. There's a lot of people that don't even understand what's going on. Somebody wrote in here and said, well, the investigation's closed, Rod. Oh, is it? Then why is Quenville flying to New York today to talk to Bettman? Why is Dayoff doing it on Monday? No, the investigation's still ongoing. And while it's ongoing, I think they should be allowed to do their jobs. And the more that I think about this, the more I read of the report, the more people come at me, the more I dig my heels in and say, Joel Quenville's job then is as it is now, to coach the hockey team. Kevin Sheveldayoff's job then was to be the assistant general manager, which quite frankly doesn't come with a lot of authority. He was doing the salary cap crunching for the Chicago Blackhawks. So it was to the general manager, Stan Bowman, to look after this, and he didn't, and the team president, and he didn't, and they both are gone. And now people want a pound of flesh, and I think the only way Dayoff and Quenville lose their jobs is if the NHL wants to satisfy people by giving them their pound of flesh. I just have a real tough time with what I believe are good people going down and losing their jobs for the wrong reason, and that could very well happen. If out of these meetings, because I don't know what's going to happen between Quenville and Bettman, but if Gary Bettman feels Quenville was in the wrong, knew more than he should, should have done more, then he probably will lose his job. But while the investigation's ongoing, I think he should be allowed to coach. I listened to NHL radio this morning. Mike Johnston, whom I love, Scott Laughlin, whom I love, both said he should be suspended. Uh, Zig Fricasi said it on here yesterday. That's great that you feel that way. I don't agree. And by the way, it clearly nor do the powers that be because Quenville coached last night. Okay? So that's my take on this. And I'm willing to listen to everybody else's. The poll question today for Capital Automall Universal Collision Center is, 
Should Quenville and Sheveldayoff be suspended while the NHL Blackhawks investigation is ongoing? Last I looked on Twitter, 77% were saying, yes, they should be suspended. I'm not sure if I've convinced you otherwise. And that's fine. What's it on uh, Facebook? A lot tighter on Facebook, 57% saying yes Mm -hmm. on Facebook. So those are people who are watching our show right now. So you have convinced some people otherwise. Uh, By the way... For the CFL fans that are waiting for your talk today, we're going to play Deal or No Deal here in Hour 1. I'm not pretty sure we're not going to get to it here in the warm-up for Ecold Electric because this is what people are talking about today. So you have some thoughts on this. Those are mine. Yeah, the interview was tough. You said it. Um, hard to watch, and you feel for the kid first. Um, the big thing for me when it comes to whether it was Stan Bowman, John McDonough, Kevin Sheveldayoff, Al McIsaac, Joel Quenville is where does the responsibility go for allowing him to continue on, have the interaction with the intern that happened in the three weeks, then be allowed to continue on his career, go to USA Hockey, go to Michigan, go to Notre Dame, and continue to evolve as this bad guy and eventually get charged and have a a worse incident. Um, That's where the response, who's responsible. And so... The Quenville stuff's interesting because it never got taken care of. You know, at the top of that meeting, when John McDonough is reported to saying, leave it with me, I'll take care of it. He's the the team team president president with the most authority in the room. He is the senior guy in the room. So when the top guy is saying, I got it, most other people will look up and say, okay, you got it. We'll do, everybody's got to do their job and you do yours, which is to take care of this, which he didn't do. And now he's gone. The easiest thing in any situation to do right now is to light the whole house on fire and let everybody burn that was inside it. That's the easy thing to do. And that's what we all want to happen emotionally, right? When something happens, we just want to eliminate it all. Drop the bomb. Let's just blow the sure, whole thing happens up. happens all the scratch. time. But there's good people in there, too, that weren't necessarily at fault. But we don't really know. So for Quenville, what I think was going to be asked in that meeting today with, with Gary Bettman, or if I'm Gary Bettman, it's like, what follow-up did you do? How much responsibility did you have afterwards when nothing was being done? Right, Because he said he was going to take care of it, but then a week later, two weeks later, Brad Aldridge is still there. Did you check in and say, is this guy good? Is he not good? He's still interacting with my players. Are we okay? What was happening in those coming days? That wasn't in the report, so I want to learn that. I'm sure we will. Um, But for me, number one and two, it's McDonough and that HR department because the HR department, along with McDonough, let him resign. Right, without none of this getting out, it still should have went to authorities to stop what happened in the future. Because that's the biggest thing for me is the actions that were taken led to another interaction with an intern, and then the actual criminal activity that happened in his future career. For now, enough about that. Uh, everybody has their opinion. That's ours. I'll just read from the lamplighters. Rod, with all of this coming to light, do you see other situations that have been kept in the dark being brought into the public eye? Other guys coming forward about things, etc. I have no idea. I don't. I can't even. I don't have an answer to that. I don't know. That'll be up to the people that have a story to tell. I guess. Um, from Northside Yeg says, "I'd love to hear what Rod and Darren think about the play of Miko Koskinen last night." I've always been a football guy. First, these guys have been around the game for years at every level. I was thinking about this, by the way, just this morning that I'm working currently doing NHL stuff, WH, uh, WHL stuff, SJHL stuff. That's pretty, and university level too, hockey. 
That's pretty cool. Talking to a lot of people. And I'm coaching some nine-year-olds, too. <laughs> so between the two of us, we got it all covered. <sighs> you can put up whatever comments, Clark, that you deem worthy on the screen. Um, Dale Lugood, local hockey guy here watching, says, I think your comments are right on. The GM and president ultimately are the ones that should have taken these allegations to the authorities, police, and underlings like players work for that leadership of Bowman and Wirtz. Sad, terrible situation, but in today's world, the expectation is that someone steps up and reports the alleged wrongdoing, but it should be the leadership, i.e. GM president. Okay, they all want to talk about the order game last night. Anthony Cernick watching from the Energy City says, third star Edmonton last night, kind of hot. From Roger Yee, morning, gents. How about them flames? Please let me gloat now as I know it won't last. Have a great day, Rod Squad. Okay, so we're moving on from the Quenville Shovel Day Off stuff for now. Let me go in order with last night's games, okay? We Willie Nylander scored on a breakaway in overtime as the Toronto Maple Leafs rallied past the Chicago Blackhawks 3-2 at United Center. Toronto trailed 2-0 by the first intermission, but Johnny Tavares, the real Johnny Hockey, scored in the second and David Kampf in the third to set up Nylander's heroics. Chicago winless in seven to start the season. How about that? The Florida Panthers became the 14th team in NHL history to start 7-0 by beating the Boston Bruins 4-1 on Wednesday night. Yes, Joel Quenville was behind the bench. In Washington, Robbie Fabry tied it early in the third period. Captain Dylan Larkin scored in overtime, and Detroit came back to beat Washington 3-2. How about those hot wings? They're not supposed to win. Did anybody tell them that? Nobody told them. You guys are supposed to be crappy. Yeah, settle down over there, Detroit. Alex Ovechkin also scored the 738th of his career, putting him three back of Brett Hull for fourth on the NHL's all-time list. Evgeny Dadanov scored in overtime to give Canada's team, the Vegas Golden Knights, an overtime victory over the Dallas Stars. 3-2, Shea Theodore also scored for Vegas, followed by Jonathan Marchessault, who tied the game with a shot from the left faceoff dot with 102 to go in the third. Laurent Brassois making his first start for the Golden Knights, Stopped 32 shots. Karahat's eagerness to stand tall in his return to his hometown of Edmonton paid dividends for the Philadelphia Flyers Wednesday night. Karahat made 34 saves in the Philadelphia net, and Cam Atkinson scored a pair of goals as the Flyers prevailed in a 5-3 slugfest against the Edmonton Oilers. Claude Giroux, Nate Thompson, and Sean Couturier also scored for the Flyers. I saw Connor McJesus scored for the Oil. But it wasn't enough. And the gentleman asked what we thought of the play of Miko Koskinen. It was ruby red rotten again. But are we allowed to talk about order goaltending because they get so upset up there when we talk about Mike Smith or Miko Koskinen? You can't give away goals so easily. I'm watching the game last night, and I see Koskinen go up to play the puck, turns it over, boom, it's in their net. It's really hard to score in the National Hockey League, okay? It's actually really hard, unless your name's Connor McDavid. You can't be giving up goals so easily. And that's the thing with... And it wasn't just Koskinen, but I've said it. If you can't play the puck, don't go play the puck. I say it about Mike Smith. I say it about Marc-Andre Fleury. He's been terrible when he leaves the net, and it, it doesn't sink through to them. So I think at the end of the day... It's 
October. So Miko Koskinen's not going to become a great puck-playing goaltender between now and the playoffs, but I think the defensive lapses, of which the Oilers still had a few last night, obviously, they took their eye off the puck. Uh, it was Atkinson's goal on the buzzer at the end of the second period. I know you were watching, Moose. They just, it's little things with the Edmonton Oilers, little things that continue to cost them. And I think that they're getting older. I think that they're getting mature enough that the little things, by the time the playoffs roll around, I think they'll be cured of that. It's what cost them last year in the playoffs against Winnipeg. In this, that Vegas Golden Knights don't take their eye off the puck. They don't. And the lone time that they did, Marc-Andre Fleury cost them the series against Montreal, and it was off of your head. In Edmonton, they're just allowed to keep making these mistakes all the time. And then they've addressed the needs of the team a little bit by restructuring a quarter of the roster. But I just think that they're not going to settle for this for long. So there's my long-winded explanation to what happened with the Edmonton Oilers. They're still learning painful lessons, but I think, I think they're starting to set in. But Miko Koskinen, stay in the net. We're two points into the quick six, Okay. We haven't even got to football yet, so we'll do that next. Got a huge Thursday night football uh, clash coming up, and also the World Series is 1-1. The warm-up's brought to you by Ecole Electric. Our annual fall promotion sale is on now. With special pricing on hundreds of in-stock items, Ecole Electric, let's get to work. And we'll be right back on Game Plus TV, YouTube, and Facebook Live, and 24-hour sports radio at rodpeterson.com. Have you subscribed to the Rod Peterson Show YouTube channel yet? Head to youtube.com slash the Rod Peterson Show now. 